Welcome to Agent to Agent Remarks. Really just wanted to start a conversation. The podcast dedicated to real estate ethics and best practices. Here to talk to you about the market. Hosted by broker Jeffrey LaBelle of The Brokerage, a real estate firm. We have some great interviews on this podcast. Hear expert guests related to the real estate industry discuss actionable advice, tips, and tricks. Now, here's Jeffrey Lavelle. Well, all right, everybody. Jeff Lavelle here, broker of the brokerage, a real estate firm. We are going to do a deep dive today. And no pun intended, we're going to talk about Lake Mead, uh, the lower Colorado River Basin states, uh, the water supply in Las Vegas, and everything else that you've ever wanted to know. And I know you're thrilled about it. I sat in a class in college on this. That's true. You thought I was a nerd before. Well, now I've gone full nerd. Never go full nerd. Uh, so I, I sat through natural resource policy in college. It was an elective course for political science. I'm a political science minor. And what can I tell you? I really enjoyed the hell out of natural resource policy. So uh, let's just go into the the meat of it. I, I got this great presentation from the Southern Nevada Water Authority. Katie Horn, who's their manager for public services, uh, gave a tremendous presentation to Las Vegas realtors. And it's a tough crowd. Let me tell you, if you've ever sat through CE classes, you know that there's always going to be that one person with their Oh, man, just the questions that this really wasn't bad. I, I got to take my hat off to the realtors that were there. They did not ask anything uh, that was mind numbing. But somebody did come up afterwards and ask her about their account. <laughs> it's like not the location for this, folks, not the person that handles your account issues. So seven out of 10 Nevadans rely on the Southern Nevada Water Authority to supply water to their homes and businesses. That just shows you that 70% of Nevada's residents live in the Southern Nevada region, you know, Reno and Sparks and and Beatty and Gene, uh, all these areas. Well, Gene's part of Southern Nevada, but all these other areas outlying the Southern Nevada area really are not as highly densely populated as we are, and they get their water from other areas. So Southern Nevada Water Authority is not giving uh, water in the most part to Northern Nevada. Southern Nevada Water Authority has responsibilities for conservation, the water supply planning, the water quality, the infrastructure, and of course the stewardship uh, for protecting the environmental resources. So Las Vegas is the driest metropolitan area in the United States. Let me repeat that. The driest metropolitan area in the United States. And we wonder why we can't grow avocados here. No matter how hard you try, you will not grow. And there's going to be that one. My grandfather has an avocado tree. Uh, your grandfather is a, is a magician because they just simply don't survive here. Uh, but the, the fact of it is Nevada, Las Vegas is the driest metropolitan area in the U.S. by a large margin. Tucson, Phoenix, Denver, Salt Lake City, Albuquerque, they all exceed us by several fold. So we are we are always hurting for water. And uh, we are fully dependent, 100% dependent on, well, nearly doesn't mean 100%, Jeff, nearly dependent on the Colorado River for all of our water. 10% comes from the groundwater. So these resources... If you if you are familiar with the Southwest United States, we don't get our water from Nevada. It comes from our friends in Colorado and Wyoming. And so it starts as snowpack, effectively snowfall, uh, in the Wyoming Flaming Gorge Reservoir area, 
the western slope. You'll hear people talk all, all the time. Nevadans are obsessed with the western slope of Colorado because the western slope is where the snow falls and it eventually meanders and makes makes its way down to the Glen Canyon Dam in Arizona and eventually down through uh, uh, the Colorado. It's the Little Colorado? No. No, it leaves Glen Canyon and then comes straight into Hoover Dam. Well, there's a river in, in between, but it comes through that way. So the the northern, the western slope of Colorado is a huge big deal for us. And Colorado, if you don't know, has been through its own droughts. It's been through its own problems. And so we have not had the snowpack for quite some time that we've expected or we need to have in order to keep that reservoir that Lake Mead is full nor have we been able to keep its lesser reservoir. That's right, you Powell people. Lesser reservoir of Lake Powell full. Um, if you if you recreate, if you like to go out there, my wife's family used to go to Lake Powell every year for birthdays, and uh, you know get out there on the boats and hang out and enjoy themselves. But if you've been out there recently, it is horribly uh, decimated by this drought. It has just been horribly decimated by this drought, and so. This water is shared among seven basin states and the country of Mexico. So it is a a really big demand on a fairly unpredictable resource because that, that Colorado snowpack is not something we can rely on all the time. And moreover... We'll probably get into this a little later, but moreover, Colorado and their uh, drought has meant that when that snowfall does finally eventually get to melting, if it melts too fast, it can be a problem because it floods and it gets all sorts of problems in the water management aspect. And if it doesn't, there's not enough of it, Colorado's parched. So what happens is it doesn't run off the mountain into the river. It runs off the mountain into the dirt. The dirt absorbs it, it goes into the dirt, it goes into the Colorado groundwater, and sometimes it doesn't make it into the Colorado River. So that is when we run into trouble here in uh, Southern Nevada. So the two, the lower Colorado River Basin states, okay, they have two major reservoirs, Lake Powell and Lake Mead. Powell, if you can believe it, is 25 million acre feet of water. 25 million acre feet of, sorry, we should say this is their capacity. I'm not going to say they have that much because they don't. But what is an acre foot? So take a an acre square, right? One acre square at a, you know, a little lip around it that's a foot tall and fill that with water. And that's an acre foot. It's a, you know, agrarian agricultural measurement of water. This was all done in the 1900s, so, you know, much more agrarian back then. But an acre foot is as much as it takes to fill an acre one foot high. And that's kind of like a football field, basically. It's a little less than a football field, but just to give you some perspective. So our, our friends up at Powell are 25 million acre feet capacity. Lake Mead has 26 million acre foot capacity um and it is the uh, the the valve if you will the faucet the 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 spigot that regulates deliveries to arizona california the southwest tribes and the country of mexico so you know lake mead is 
big business. It's a big deal for a lot of states who rely on water. So um, what Lake Mead, what our, our friends at, at the Southern Nevada Water Authority are really good at is they have the most incredible technology. And I, and I got to tour this. Again, I am a dork. We, we spent, we got to go to the uh, reclamation department down on the, we'll call it the bottom of the bowl, which is over on the east side of town. And we got to go down there and uh, in this college course I took, and we got to walk the treatment plant, the sewer treatment plant. Now this was all pre 9-11. So we, no, it wasn't pre 9-11. It was post 9-11. It was post 9-11. So we had to go through like federal background checks to get into the Hoover Dam, which we got to go through Hoover Dam, got to go to the bottom of the dam, which they used to allow people to do, and they don't do that anymore. The tours are over, but we got to go to bedrock. So you're in the bottom of this massive, it's, it's for claustrophobic people. You don't want to even, you probably want to just mute this for the next, I don't know, 10, 15 seconds. You're in this concrete bunker effectively that is surrounded by bedrock, which is really just weeping water there it's not it's not a little bit it's not moist <laughs> i try to throw that word in whenever i can in case my friend claire is listening um it's not it, it is just weeping through and percolating through this this uh this rock and it is pumping they have pumps going all the time pumping the dam out because the areas these corridors are filling with water so it was a little disconcerting me at the bottom of the dam but uh, just incredible to see how insignificant you feel at the bottom of the uh, the uh, the Hoover Dam. So the the water's treated. It comes out of Lake Mead. It's treated and delivered up to two thousand feet of elevation, so that they can you know because it it really is done by pressure, right? We don't we have pumping stations and stuff, but you know they they do do a lot of a lot of water delivery is based on. Uh, gravity and pressure feeding those um, those basins. So the water used indoor flows into the sewer system, which is great. So one of the things that that we were going through in the early '90s when I was living, when we first started living here, that was rude. First started living here. I'm sorry, I had to burp. They were, and most podcasts would just edit that. Not here. Not, not the agent to agent remarks. This is real, folks. They would. Uh, <laughs> They'd tell you to turn your, there was a big TV campaign, turn your water off, turn your water off when you are um, doing your teeth and stuff, right? And so you don't have that anymore. They don't, they don't ask you for that. They don't, they don't ask you to turn your water off. And the reason they don't ask you to turn your water off is because it doesn't affect the water diversions that we get, the credits that we get from Lake Mead. So if we have 300,000 acre feet, so so we do, right? We have 300,000 acre feet of water as our allotment for the Las Vegas Valley. If we put 300,000 acre feet, pull 300,000 acre feet back, for every acre foot we put treated water back into Lake Mead, we get to pull another acre foot out, right? So it is, you drink it, it doesn't go back in the lake until you've uh, filtered through your kidneys, right? If you uh, pour the pasta water down the sink, if you uh, empty out uh, the dog's water dish into the sink, if you put it down a sanitary drain, flush the toilet, take a shower, brush your teeth, if it goes down a sanitary drain, it goes back to a treatment plant, 
where it is heavily processed back to drinking water. And then it is put back into Lake Mead so we can manage those credits and put them back where they belong, which is the lake. If you empty your pool, okay, this is a big thing, empty your pool and you empty it into the gutter outside your home, that goes into the dirt, basically. That does not get back to Lake Mead. Um, it goes into channels and a lot of times it's absorbed by the ground and it's terrible. You do not ever, it's a big water waste issue too. If they find you uh, dumping your pool into the street, you will get fined severely for that. Most homes, a majority of homes, overwhelming number of homes have a sewer clean out in front of the home. Typically in the landscape rocks, it's a black three inch pipe covered with a piece of PVC cap on top of it. Sometimes landscapers landscape over it or put rock over it, but that is your clean out. That if you put your pool drain, you know, that, that, that hose into that, all those credits go back into the city, uh, into this, I'm sorry, into Lake Mead and are, um, reused. So that's, that's why we are really, really adamant about our, um, about our uh, ability to put that water back. We don't want to waste water here. We just don't have enough of it. So all that water gets treated. It flows in our sewer system. Water travels back to wastewater facility uh, where we can use it again. 40% of the water in our and used indoors is captured and treated. So that's a, that's a huge, uh, huge thing. 40% of the water we use indoors is treated, returned to Lake Mead uh, via the Las Vegas wash. We recycle 99% of the water used indoors. So 99% of our water is used, uh, is recaptured and put back in Lake Mead. Um, so, so let me clarify what I just said, because I think I, I might've phrased that incorrectly. 40% of our water is used indoors is what I should say. So of the 100% that we use, 60% is used outside, 40% is used inside and a hundred percent effectively of the water that we use inside goes back into Lake Mead. So 100% of 40% is pretty good. 60%, as you can deduce probably, is going into outdoor use, septic systems, and really evaporative cooling. Those are, are areas where we have a real problem. And there's some legislation uh, that's been proposed and has been talked about in uh, in the news about the commercial cooling towers, so commercial buildings with evaporative coolers. Obviously, we've been talking about outdoor water use for decades and decades and decades. Um, when you put it on the ground, when you water plants, when you water your grass, when you do any of that stuff, you are eliminating the ability for us to recapture those uh, those credits. So huge announcement, right? Huge announcement. Because I, I you think, God, Jeff's a dork. You, you right? I know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna just. I'm going to say you're right about that. But I didn't know that this year, no more grass. You're going, oh, I knew that. No, you didn't. Because here's the thing. No more grass. Not 50% of your backyard. No more grass. So for a while now, we haven't been able to put any grass in our front yard. That is the old news. And then it was, so no front yard grass, period, paragraph, in a story. If you had it, fine. They want you to get rid of it. Couldn't have it up there. But um, if you are talking about the backyard, we were okay with that. They were pretty chill about the backyard for quite some time. 
uh, they would let you do the backyard 50%. 50%. You could do real grass in the backyard. So that's a huge that's a huge thing. No more grass in the backyard. And people say, well, how are they going to enforce that? HOAs, folks. HOAs. When you have a new home, most new homes in Nevada. No, 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 no. Again, this is all live, folks. There's no, there's no script. It's just my brain. No new grass in new homes, not no new grass in any homes. So if you have a home that is grandfathered in, again, homes that were built before 2023, you have the ability to keep your backyard grass, but uh, you do not have the ability to put any more front yard grass in any home, period, paragraph, no matter how old it is. And if you have a home with front yard grass, they will still buy it from you. That's one of the huge things. You need to get rid of your ornamental grass, right? That that grass that has no real benefit. It doesn't serve any purpose. You can't recreate. Can't you can't recreate on it? You can't recreate on it. You can't have picnics on it. You can't really do anything with it. If you have that grass, uh, they would love for you to get rid of it because the simple reality is it just it is being watered and fertilized and cared for and all of the things without any real benefit. And so when we're dealing with a resource as precious as water, we need to see that there's a true benefit to uh, the use of it and, uh, you know, being able to do that. So like in early 2000s, there was a mandatory watering schedule. Um, You know, they developed this uh, uh, codes for water efficiency. They started hitting us with water waste fees. Uh, And then they they also really started with like this tiered system where like, okay, at this much water, we're going to hit you this much and this much is going to be this much higher and so on and so forth until you got to these maximum amounts that they could charge you. And that was to really incentivize people to keep their watering under a certain amount per month. And golf courses got hit with, you know, different restrictions and things like that. with watering budgets and and the like, and and they're using reclaimed water in many cases, but there's rebate programs. And that's one of the things I've been talking about. They get to, uh, you know, they'll buy your water from you for, for not your water, buy your grass from you and ask you to pull it up. Um, and, and because of this, really the, 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 the water conservation has been one of the most effective tools that the Southern Nevada Water Authority has been able to implement to keep our water resources going. Um, our Southern Nevada population since 2002 uh, reduced its water usage while the population grew. So our, our population grew 49 percent since 2020, since 2002, and our water use per capita went down 48 percent. So the the consumption of our Colorado 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 River water is down 26%. And these are really significant say I mean significant savings. Um, and you know they approved in December a conservation goal that'll keep Nevada on track to meet demands for the next 50 years. Um, you know landscape irrigation is a big part of that. Um, they want to re- re- you know limit consumptive uses of water for septic systems, evaporative cooling, like we talked about, um, the water features and pools, you know, that was an announcement made last year that they're going to limit the size of pools to about 600 square feet, which, I mean, if you are a person who has a pool that's larger than 600 square feet, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty damn big pool. Let's just be honest. I mean, that is, that is, that is huge. Uh, and, and most of these pools that they, you know, they've done research on this, these big, 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 big pools, are often second homes, so their homes aren't even being lived in for most of the year. Um, the pool size relative to the people enjoying the pool, like, you know, it's not like you're at a at a, uh, a hotel, right, where the pool is mostly pee and um, tears. It's, 
it's a, <laughs> sorry. Uh, maybe you go to those pool things. I don't, but, uh, and that's just because it's better for people when I don't do that. But the point I'm making is though that, that pool is 3000 square feet, but it has 800 people in it. And it's just disgusting. But the reality is it is a lot of people are enjoying the pool. Um, and the difference is when you're dealing with these other pools at these luxury residences, nobody's really using it most of the year. And then when they do use it, it's not gigantic groups of people. So how are they going to face this challenge? Export products. One of the things I glossed over. And, and this was something I hadn't thought about, but Katie brought this up that, you know, you get a Coca-Cola bottler that comes in here and says, hey, we want to use Colorado River Resources and then we want to bottle our Dasani and our Coke and all this other stuff. And then we want to export it outside the city to other parts of the Southwest. And their point is like, no, you guys, you guys can't use our water that we rarely, you know, we don't have that much of when I mean, we have it. But again, when we don't have to use it for frivolous things and then we're going to let a corporation. And this was such a great thing that she said, we are letting corporations get rich off of our resources and then export them outside of our city. And that was a really cool thing to hear because that to me shows me that they're serious because money seems to fix any concerns and complaints, you know, in our world today. Evaporative cooling, we talked about commercial real estate, most hotels, big, big, big facilities tend to work off of an evaporative cooling model instead of a a dry uh, cooling model and septic systems. Septic systems, there's going to be a big push for that. You know, that's push for it to be eliminated and push against it to not be eliminated because that, and I'm not even going to touch that issue because it is politically dangerous at this point to discuss it. Um, they want to say no more septic tanks. They want to say, uh, pull out the existing septic tanks. There's reasons for it. The reasons are nitrates in the well water, the test wells that they have have gone up in areas where there is high septic tank usage and we don't get to reclaim that water because it's going into leach fields. And of course, of course, like I just said, hurting the water supply and then if, and and then just not being reclaimed and put back into Lake Mead. So, uh, you know, the local demands that they want to meet are requiring new conservation efforts on our part. So they've they've like we talked about before that non-functional grass is now prohibited by state law. We've put the pool size limits in place. Um, the only places that we're going to see grass insulation moving forward are places like pool uh, parks and schools and, you know, cemeteries, <laughs> all fun places. Right. Uh, and then, of course, evaporative cooling that we talked about is going away completely for new developments. Um, the big thing I'm going to be interested to see what happens is golf courses. Right. Because golf courses are really, really big fans of green grass. And golfers are really big um, fans of green grass. And so that's going to be huge. That's going to be a huge thing. And seeing how these golf courses can survive budget-wise when there are going to be restrictions and punitive water rates for high water users. So that's going to be really interesting. And this reclaimed water that they're using for a lot of these golf courses, if they're going to get rid of septic tanks, uh, it's possible they may get rid of reclaimed water usage at golf courses. I'm not saying they are or they're not, but it's it seems to follow reason that way. Um, the recent initiative that people have been talking about is Assembly Bill 356, which prohibited our community's water supplies from watering existing unused grass, and that's that non-functional grass, neighborhoods, uh, entry areas, <coughs> excuse me, 
Summerlin is notorious. No offense to Summerlin. Calm down, relax. Southern Highlands, you drive down these beautiful grassy green uh, lanes and parkways. And, uh, you know, dog walkers, they certainly get a, a, a benefit from that. But a lot of these these uh, sidewalk areas are sloped, um, pretty, um, uh, you know, pretty, pretty sloped. And so, you know, you're not going to go have a picnic there or kick the ball around the street uh, next to the street there. Medians, roundabouts, you know, those non-residential applications in commercial complexes and offices. I know Sun City, Anthem. Um, Seven Hills and Henderson, those two neighborhoods have already begun uh, retrofitting and getting rid of that and putting grass in or the, the desert landscaping in. Um, and uh, and so those are those are really big things. Um, you know, the golf courses, like I said, their new construction of golf courses has been prohibited for a while. But the current golf courses have a water budget of six point. So I think I think they're at six point five or 6.3 or something per irrigated acre. And they're updating. I think they want to update this to drop them by two, two, two acre feet per year. So I think they want to go to like four acre feet per year for the golf courses, which is a, that's a big drop. I mean, you're talking a, a 30%, uh, was that 30%, 25%? What is that? Uh, 30% drop in, in their overall usage. So, um, and then of course we talked about pools, the evaporated cooling. Um, so I'm, I'm just interested to see how they're going to deal though with the 14, you know, like 14,000, 15,000 septic tanks in the Valley. That's going to be a big, that's going to be a big thing. That's going to be a big thing to see how they can, they can manage that. But, um, anyway, let's, let's kind of go back to the, the water and how it gets here. I think the thing that was really interesting to me when I first visited natural resource policy was this, this, these basin states and how they interact. And, and so you have Wyoming is upper, upper basin, Colorado's upper basin, I think Utah's upper basin. And then you have uh, New Mexico, Arizona, Nevada, California, and Mexico, right? And the really interesting thing is, is the Imperial Valley of California is the largest consumer of water in the pipeline here. And so the allocations that were created when the compact was originally um, developed in 1922 is that the 15 million acre feet was divided into the, the, the best, you know, the, the users based on what they needed. So that California bit was getting four is, is getting 4.4 million acre feet of water a year. 4.4 million acre feet. Colorado gets 3.9 million acre feet. Arizona gets 2.85. You got to keep in mind that these areas were way more developed, way more developed than we were here in, uh, in Las Vegas and Southern Nevada, Utah, 1.7 million acre feet, Mexico, 1.5 million acre feet. Uh, Wyoming is getting a million. New Mexico is getting 850,000 acre feet. And then Las Vegas comes in, you know, last place with, or Nevada, with uh, 300,000 acre feet of water. But we're the best user of it. We do the best job at maintaining our water usage. So, you know, in the early 2000s, that's when, that's when Nevada really started to, to see the huge decreases in inflow. And when the, the, the pack, the snowpack of, 
uh, of water was below the 15 million acre feet average that they're putting out of Lake Mead through Hoover Dam into the lower basin states. And so, um, you know, there were some years, 2002 was our lowest year. That was the lowest year where we had the least uh, percentage of normal flow in inflows at 40%. So 40% of the 15 million that it was supposed to get uh, as an average, so we were deficit spending, right? It's a that's a government thing. We can't do that in our in our home lives. But um, 2021 was not far off of that. That was 49 percent of normal flow. Um, and and since 2000, we've had five years. Okay, so that's 23, 20. We'll just say 22 years. In the last 22 years, we've had five years of above average flow. And it wasn't anything crazy. I mean, it was like 100 and I think the top was 140%, 138%. So, you know, that's a, that's a pretty big, um, that's a pretty big lift for those five years to be able to, you know, offset, you know, the other 17 or so years of really bad water, really bad water inflows. So, um, the way that, you know, the way that they, um, kind of painted this for us is, you know, as, as the water levels decline, we have reduced water storage. You know, there's, there's less water behind the dam. Eventually the dam will fall over. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It doesn't fall over. Uh, the ability of the, the supplies, the ability to provide water downstream obviously is one of the biggest problems um, it, when those calls for water come and we can't fill those calls because there's no water going over the dead pool um, and I'll go into dead pool in a minute but um, you know there is a degree of power production that goes on at the dam we don't typically in Nevada, I don't think we have almost any reliance, very, very little reliance on the Hoover Dam hydropower production. But, um, you know, it, Mexico, Arizona, I think, is the biggest user of, of that particular um, that particular hydro dam or hydro power dam production. Um, so there's let me hold on. Let me pull something up here. There was a. Okay, so there was a, okay, so lower, so what does this say? Lower basin states are subject to tier two shortages in 2023. And that basically means that because Lake Mead's elevation has gone down to that 1,025 to 1,045 foot level, we have to reduce our usage 27,000 acre feet. So we have to go from 300,000 to 273,000 acre feet of water per year. But what's interesting is, I think it was last year or the year before that, we have a 300,000 foot acre, acre foot allotment, but we took out 550,000 acre feet because we put it all back. We put so much back that we can pull out another 250,000 acre feet of water. So that's a huge thing. I mean, that that is a huge thing. And and the thing that they're most concerned about is the the inability for water to pass over the lake, um, uh, not not the the lake, but over the dam. That is what they call dead pool. And the infrastructure 
that they've created is pretty impressive. There's a YouTube video you can watch if you are a dork like moi. There's a YouTube video you can watch where you can see the building of the third intake. And there's there's three intakes at Lake Mead. There's intake one, which is been sucking air for a while <laughs> that's been that one is out of commission and then there's like uh intake two which is at a thousand feet uh th- and then there is uh well intake three right one two three that's at 875 and if we get below 900 you know below 900 feet that's when we're at emergency levels. I mean, that's, that's a huge, 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 huge problem. Uh, because, you know, and the issue I brought up to Katie in this meeting was the national emergency it creates for our food supply. You have so much of Nevada um, relying on this water. So much population here. We'll be okay, right? At... at, at at 875, at 900, it doesn't go over the dam anymore. It doesn't go past uh, Hoover Dam downstream. So those calls for water before Deadpool are fine. But when we hit Deadpool, 895 feet, at 900 feet, we'll say, when we hit Deadpool, it's California's problem at that point, Mexico's problem. They have a problem. And that's that they don't get any more water from us. So my fear is, if and when this ever happens, which Southern Nevada Water Authority is saying it's not going to, because they have, uh, they are, Katie said over and over and over, you know, we plan, we are great worst worst case scenario planners. All we really care about is worst case scenarios, and we work to our 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 strat plan is based on all. I think she used the word. Um, Um, not exercise. What was the word? Um, tragic. That's the word she used. She said they're working off of tragic estimations of water inflow. So at 875, Las Vegas still has water. And I, I'm not, keep in mind, these are two different things. At 900, it doesn't go over the dam anymore or under the dam to our friends in California. At 875, we would lose the third intake, but we still have water at 900. So Deadpool would be a problem for California, but Deadpool isn't a problem for uh, Southern Nevada. So, you know, it, it's, a, it's a really, it, it's, a, it's a scary topic. Obviously, it's why they put so much information out there about it. And they're so good about coming and talking to different offices and, and boards of realtors and different entities that want to hear from them. So it, really, if you have any questions, don't tell Katie I told you to call her, but Katie Horn at uh, the Southern Nevada Water Authority, excellent speaker, probably one of the better speakers I've dealt with uh, at the uh, Southern Nevada Water Authority. Not my first rodeo with them um, because they, they really do a great job at getting the information out there. But, um, you know, part of, part of the, the way that they're going to get us to comply obviously is financially, um, in order to make people less likely to waste water, you charge them more for it. Um, so thresholds are, are a big part of this. And we talked about the, the tiered water system, um, and they're set at like minimum of the 10th decile, 
of single family water bills per season. So these, these are moving numbers. Um, and, and so we need to, you know, keep in mind that they're always adjusting what is considered a water waster, or if you're using too much water. Um, and then the big thing that I have encouraged so many of my clients in property management and sales, um, get the water smart rebate, have them come buy your turf. It's $3 per square foot for the first 10,000 square feet. I don't know many residences that have 10,000 square feet of grass and then a hundred, a buck 50 after that. But it does require you to uh, give a conservation easement. So what a conservation easement says is that you're saying, Hey, Southern Nevada water authority, I have 800 square feet of turf. I would like you to pay me for, right? So they're going to give you, um, uh, $2,400 for that 800 square feet of turf at the $3 per square foot um, allotment. And then you have the ability to put in desert drought tolerant. And there's a list of, it's a process. It's a very easy process, um, but there's a process to go through in order to make sure that you have uh, complied with that correctly. And then you put in your landscaping and your you know rock or whatever you're going to put in there, uh, drought tolerant plants and, and the like, and then they send you a check. You know, that amount's not going up, folks. So if you're waiting for five bucks a square foot, <laughs> they're not they're not coming for you uh, to, to give you that much money. Three, three bucks a square foot is the most you're going to get. Uh, it may go down from where we're at now. So if you've been waiting, this is the time. Uh, realtors out there, let your clients know that they've got a few months still before it gets too hot out there and landscapers start charging more for this uh, this stuff. And um, the guy over at Southern Nevada Water Authority, his name is Johan, super, super, super guy. I can't say enough supers for him. He is so helpful in giving you information about the Southern Nevada Water Authority rebate plan, pulling your grass up, what it takes to do it. They come out, they measure it, they give you an estimate of how much they're going to give you for the for pulling it up, and then they send you a check when you've complied. Um, the southern the water easement is okay. So you're 800 square feet, no matter where that is on your property, front yard, backyard. They're going to put an easement on your property. An easement just says they have the right to say what you can put on that 800 square foot section. Meaning, no koi ponds, no pools, no water features, no more grass going back. If you want to replace 800 square feet with synthetic turf, you get three bucks a square foot for turf. It runs about uh, three bucks a square foot to pull the turf up. It runs, we'll say seven bucks a square foot. And don't quote me on this. It's different with everybody, but roughly $7 a square foot for synthetic turf to be put down. So, you know, a good 50% of the cost of you replacing that 800 square feet is going to be covered um, a pretty decent amount, but it's, it's worth it because it's just going to get less. So if you've been putting it off, thinking about doing it and you haven't done it yet, this is the time to do it because it's just going to get worse. Um, and they have really doubled down on their investigations. So they're water waste investigators. You might see them in the little blue cars driving around town, um, broken sprinklers. They're going to give you a warning watering on the wrong time of day. You know, we can't water on Sundays at all. Always get a, I shouldn't say always get a warning. They're going to give you a warning. A lot of us aren't home when our sprinklers are going off or it's too early in the morning. We don't see it uh, in the summertime. They will send you a warning and comply, comply folks, just fix it. Nobody wants to waste water. If you don't, if you don't comply, then the fines start coming. Um, and, and so that's a, that's a big part of how they're starting to, or not shouldn't say starting, but their ongoing efforts to keep that, uh, that 
conservation effort in place. So the water smart landscaping, the seasonal watering restrictions, three days a week in spring, six days a week in uh, the summer, never on Sunday anytime. Just remember that never in never any time of the year can you water on Sundays and then fall three days and winter one day. So, you know, you're going to change your watering timers to meet that the water waste investigators, water banking. Think of it like, um, you know, trading, trading water, right? If, if California, if, sorry, if, if Nevada doesn't need all of its water, it can send some more water down to Arizona. Arizona can put it in their coffers for us. Same thing with uh, California. You know, we can, we can have water injected into groundwater, uh, areas, um, uh, where we can store that water and keep it for, for long periods. Uh, so we can call on it later on. And that pumping of groundwater has been a, a good thing. They can inject water back in and they can pull water back out. Um, you know, the, the other big thing that they're trying to shoot for is 86 gallons per capita of water usage per day. So I get 86 gallons, my wife gets 86 gallons, my kids get 86 gallons apiece. That is the goal. And it seems like a lot of damn water. If you've ever carried a five gallon water bucket or water bottle to your, you know, we, we get sparklets because I just like the taste of it. I don't like Nevada tap water. Sorry, SNWA. Um, that thing's heavy. It's a lot of water, especially if you've ever, like I have, spilled that damn thing as you were getting ready to put it down and it dropped and, you know, it's just bloop, 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 all that water all over your floor. And that isn't even not a gallon at that point. I mean, that's a lot of damn water, 86 gallons per person per day. But that's brushing your teeth, consumption, showering, you know, I don't know who takes baths. My wife takes baths. I don't take baths. So you're not going to worry about me taking, uh, 25 gallons of my 86 gallons per day in that use. Um, and, and like I said, this, this future, the, the stuff that we're doing today, 86 gallons, if we can do that now, we stave off huge restrictions in the future. It's such a big thing now. Uh, it's a little thing now, but it has such huge impacts later on. It's like retirement, right? You put a little money now, a little money now, a little money now. Uh, and over time, that compounds into bigger and bigger savings uh, of money over time. And the same thing is true here. Um, and uh, again, I think we're, we're, it's a great thing our state's done, despite all the people that we've added um, to our valley, 47,000 new connections since 2020. Okay, so in, and we added, what is that, 23,000 new connections in a year for two years. We've still seen a 12% decline in water usage. So even though we're connecting, and this is what I hear all the time, stop building houses. Well, we need to live in houses. And yes, we need water to do it, but we're doing really well. We're building houses and we are keeping uh, the water usage lower. We're reducing the water usage. And that's a lot of has to do with the fact that builders have gotten so good at building homes that are really energy efficient. There are some pilot programs being done in California. Um, they're trying. So you, you don't understand if you've not lived outside our state, how truly incredible, and I don't use that word lightly, how truly incredible Southern Nevada's reusage and reclamation program is. It is it is absolutely cutting edge. It is the 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 gold standard. California's put some pro pilot programs out there. They're trying to create a similar 
uh, situation in parts of California where they can recapture uh, their water resources and recycle and put that water back into groundwater. They don't have the ability to do what we do, which is to um, put it back into a lake. <laughs> That's the hard part is when we use our water and we um, have treated it and put it, we have a, we have a place to put it back to. Um, you know, we have a big storage facility, 26 million acre feet of water capacity in the form of Lake Mead. So um, that's a huge thing. And, and California doesn't have that the way that we do. But there are other resources and basins being established and, and created so that when they do have, um, in California, for example, when they do have too much water, they don't have to waste that water into the ocean. They can put it into reservoirs. Um, and so they're, they're trying to be smarter about what they do with water that they don't need um, when they don't need it so that they're not just throwing it into the ocean. And one more thing I'll say, um, because this was a question that I've heard floated in circles, and then, of course, it was brought up to SNWA. Um, two things, and I'll make this super quick because I'm sure you're like, oh, my God, he's so stupid. Um, <laughs> I need to stop being so deprecating, self-deprecating, but I, I enjoy it. Um, the first thing is Glen Canyon Dam, right? Why would we keep Glen Canyon Dam when it was built as a backup reservoir for Hoover Dam. You know, it, it's not, it's, it's our babies. It's like our baby brother. It's not the important guy at the, at the, at the, the dance here. We are the important guy at the dance. Uh, Glen Canyon is like the guy that drove us there. So that dam is a huge power producer. And if I'm not mistaken, Katie referred to it as a department of energy, um, restart facility and maybe don't you know there's going to be some guy who's like i know power you're stupid that's not i'm not saying quote me on that okay i'm saying that this is when there's a grid issue when the grid goes down and the grid needs more power and this is like the place where that happens um, it's a super super important spot for the department of energy and they want to keep glen canyon producing electricity for as long as possible um, and uh, and so that's a that's a huge part of the grid in uh, to the north and south of Glen Canyon Dam. It is part of that infrastructure and it's super, super, super important. Um, that said, the other question I asked was, why don't we bring water from other states? And when I asked that, she had just gotten over talking about why we have trouble even getting water out of northern Nevada. Uh, many, many years ago, Southern Nevada Water Authority bought a bunch of sheep ranches in the northern part of the state, and they tried unsuccessfully, from what I remember, to get that water down here. And so I said, well, you know, why Why don't <laughs> me being so smart, right? Oh, Jeff Lavelle, I'm so glad you're here. Why didn't we think of that? Why aren't we bringing water from other states? Why aren't we bringing water from uh, the Missouri River up in the northern part of the United States when it before it hits the Mississippi. Why aren't we bringing water down? And, and you know, why can't we transport oil allegedly from the Canadian uh, border down to the Gulf of Mexico with the, um, what was that thing called? Pipeline? Trans something pipeline? I can't remember. Anyway, the big pipeline everyone was upset about. We were going to transport oil nasty growth oil from uh, Canada across the United States to the Gulf of Mexico, but we can't transport water. 
water. We can't transport clean water. And her point was, if we can't get water from southern Nevada, northern Nevada to southern Nevada, we're not going to get water from, uh, you know, Missouri to uh, Lake Powell. It, it's just... And maybe that's a simplistic dismissal of it, and I'm going to try to tap into that a little bit more because, you know, desalination plants are highly energy uh, consumptive, and California already has energy issues with, you know, the EVs and stuff. They're having trouble with their grid. So it's it's not like we have an infinite power supply and we can add more power and just keep plugging into the grids. So we've got to figure something. And I just like, you know, because I'm a dork, I want to know more about why we can't import water via pipelines from other states. But the other question is, well, why can't we redo the compacts? And it's like, well, because those states don't want us to have more water. They're having enough trouble with the water allotment that they're allowed to have. And if you could get the states to agree, then you have to get Congress to agree. You have to get uh, the president to sign off on it. It's like it's like this. And Mexico has to agree, right? Because they're receivers of water. So it's really, really hard and almost damn near impossible. We'll just say to redo the compact that was established in 1922. And keep in mind, in 1922, when they gave us 300,000 acre feet of water, the delegates at that uh, uh, compact meeting actually said, "Oh, we don't need that much." <laughs> So uh, being as benevolent as they are, uh, the other compact states were like, don't worry, don't worry. You guys just go ahead and keep it and not thinking that we were ever going to use it because, you know, who thought we would ever do what we did out here so far? And so this is what fascinates me. There's all this history uh, that goes into how we turn our drinking water uh, or our lake water into drinking water and then uh, pee it out and put it back (laughs) Back into Lake Mead. That that does uh, give a couple people heebie-jeebies. But don't worry. Uh, when they put the water back into Lake Mead, they inject it deep into the lake, and it has lots and lots of time to mix with uh, the bodies that are down <laughs> that are down there. All right, folks. I have taken up enough of your time. I hope it's been useful. I. I really don't want to just come on here and talk because who the hell wants to just hear me talk all day long try to bring you things uh of substance and and importance and so hopefully i have done that this week uh if you if you like this please like and subscribe um you know my mom is not the only person that wants to listen to this maybe she is but i'd like you to listen i'd like your friends to listen um and then, of course, uh, I, I really do enjoy you taking the time to be a part of it. So have a wonderful, wonderful day. And uh, I'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back soon with another informative episode.